Alright guys, joining me live from somewhere in Auckland because she's on lockdown is PhD candidate and recovering transport engineer uh, Tamara Bozovic. Tamara, welcome to the stream. Kia ora, Jade. Thank you very much. I'm very, uh, I, I feel very privileged to be here um, in your podcast. Thank you. That, thank you so much. Now, now, I told you uh, minutes ago that we've been giving you a lot of hype, a lot of energy in the stream. I've been telling my, my viewers and fans uh, how, much, how much your research is so mind-blowing for someone like me. Now, 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 it's all about walking, and it's part of, my, part of the research that I did that Hannah gave me to do. I, I read one of your papers... Which, which starts by mentioning the fact we've been walking for about 200,000 years. So can you start by talking to us a little bit about why you're passionate about uh, walking and use of public spaces? Mm -hmm, absolutely. Well, first, thank you so much for the praise. I hope I... Uh... Uh, I will live up to that. Um, well, why I'm passionate about walking. So I'm a trans. I I did define myself as a recovering transport engineer. That's my. That's what I do. Uh, that's my trade. And I was always. I chose transport engineering in the first place because I was always interested in cities that are livable and interested in how transport contributes to cities being um, functional and uh, just this uh, systems that do. Uh, do their job and makes make our lives easier and make us um, contribute to us being able to access our destinations, but also contribute to an environment that is healthy and contributes to our health. Um, so I've always worked uh, around how we can uh, build better cities and retrofit cities, and so I was always interested in um, modes that are. Uh, alternatives to, to car and modes that are more sustainable and healthier. And for me, walking is really, well, is obviously the most basic mode. Every trip starts and ends either on foot or by wheelchair. Yeah, this is what we do. We get out of bed and we, we, we do that. And it's just, um, I, I don't remember who said that if walking was a, a medicine, it would be the super drug because it's free, it's healthy, we know that it contributes to cities through streets that are livable, we know that we, as humans, we appreciate walking in streets where we see other people walking, we know that on foot it's easy to pop into a shop or pop into a cafe, we can interact with them, with others, um, it's um, space efficient, it's uh, CO2 uh, neutral, you name it, it just takes uh, all the boxes. And I think it's also a very important um, mode that is for social inclusion. So it's really everybody's mode, everybody's mode and um, could allow ev really everybody to access their destinations or at least their public transport. Thank you so much. And that, and that makes so much sense. Um, <clears throat> it goes without saying I could do with being a little bit healthier myself. Now, 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 we all for, could. <laughs> just for clarity, when you referred to walking, you are actually including people with mobility impairment as well? Absolutely, absolutely. And this is just for um, shortening, I say walking, but it, I absolutely include 
use a wheelchair or to use any mobility device. And I think that this absolutely needs to be inclusive of people of all ages and abilities. And we speak of the A to 80 cities. I would like cities to be 5 to 95 or 5 to 100, and I would like them to be inclusive for all levels of physical ability or all um, special requirements. So, yes, absolutely. Fantastic. Now, now there's so much we could talk about in terms of your research, mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll definitely uh, loop back around on that. But can you tell us a little bit about your opinion on New Zealand, uh, maybe Auckland as well? How do we compare in terms of our utilisation of public space and walkability? Mm-hmm, yes. So I think New Zealand has um, inherited a system that is very car-dominated. So New Zealand system has been, in very large part, um, planned and built, um, so let's say planned in the 20s, 30s, 40s, built in the <laughs> 40s, yeah. 50s, 60s, 70s. And, um, so it's not... And it's not specific to New Zealand. In this era, the car was seen as a symbol of progress and a symbol of future. And all around the world, um, even Paris, parts of old Paris were going to be destroyed to make place for high-rises and basically urban state highways because that was how we were imagining the future. In the future, the car was going to um, make us free and make us uh, make access easy. I think the difference for places like New Zealand or the U.S. is that they were less built than um, places like Europe. In European European towns and cities were basically, well, there was all, only so much room for maneuver. Here, there was a lot of room. And so we, New Zealand built a lot of highways, built a lot of um, low-density suburbs, because that was the idea that you could live in your detached house and hop in your ha- car and into the city or in uh, into work so, the, so uh, there was a huge swath of infrastructure built around that yeah so on that basis um I, i'm just wondering whether you agree is is having so many cars in a country like new zealand going to be sustainable in the future i don't imagine it would be but i'm not as smart as you no, so no, it's, 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 and it's not, a, it's not about being smart, and I realize that, well, I, I answered partially your question. So the system makes it actually sometimes quite difficult to walk because it can feel, first it can feel unsafe to cross roads where so, traffic mm-hmm. uh, uh, passes really fast and where you have really uh, long distances to cross and um, where you know that uh, there is, the, the traffic movements are complicated and you might feel at risk. But also, your destinations might be far away, or you might have to walk through streets that are um, lonely, empty, and uh, dark at night. So if, um, now, to answer your question, if the number of cars is sustainable, well, no, New Zealand has um, relies predominantly on traffic on cars, and we know that this is not um, uh, this is not a sustainable uh, way to go forward. Uh, but I think the difficulty around this is. And that's really the question that, that interests me: is how do we how do we transition from a system that is a very dominantly um, mm. car legacy to 
something that is different. And something that is different is something that we are discussing now. So the government policy statement um, is just uh, in draft now and speaks again about um, the transport system as a whole, allowing us to reach our destination. So the question is really, well, who cannot reach their destinations now? And how can how can this be um, improved? And another aspect of the GPS is, of course, climate to sustainability. So, of course, uh, we want a transport system that aligns with our climate um, commitments. So how do we get there? And I, and I don't underestimate at all the difficulty of this question because we really have systemic issues around a system that is very car dominant and that we need to transition uh, and we need to prioritize what we do to transition to something else. So, so as I said at the top of the show, you're, you're a recovering transport engineer. So you, you've had a background in serving organizations that, that directly uh, apply transport settings to Auckland City. Um, mm-hmm. Have you seen a transition to a better application of transport in Auckland City, would you say? Or... Uh, is it moving in a strange direction that you didn't anticipate? No, I think Auckland, um, especially the Auckland Design Office, that I was really uh, surprised to see dismantled. Auckland Design Office has been uh, really championing uh, best practice and championing redesign of streets and um, redesign that is uh, played with temporary uh, elements so that we can um, trial redesign and uh, see how it works and uh, tweak it and improve it. So I think Auckland has definitely been uh, championing uh, um, rethinking the the public spaces and also the public transports. I think the um, public transport connections that are... um, always better and the likes of uh, the, for instance, Northern Busway, this is really a, a best case, uh, um, a really a good practice in terms of uh, having a clear idea and implementing it and really having um, something that serves, uh, serves its purpose. So I think Auckland has, uh, has really been championing this good, um, uh, the best practice. And I think Auckland also doesn't really have the choice but to <laughs> but uh, really, any, I think anybody who, there are figures, let's putting the figures aside, I think if anybody um, commutes by car into Auckland at peak hour, they witness every day that there is just not so much room for additional cars. So if Auckland CBD is to develop in terms of more businesses, more activity, more jobs, we just see in our everyday life that this cannot happen by car because the roads are full and there is just no more room and I think that we could also agree that it's better use of Auckland CBD space uh, to have shops and businesses and living than storage for a car. So it really it forces us to think okay well we want to develop uh, business and activity and everything that is happening and it just cannot happen by car. The car is just very space inefficient. So yeah, Auckland has hit this limit of what can be done by car and now we really need to think 
Um, Tamara, we do have a couple of questions from the audience that we took earlier, but there, there's more come up now. Would you be Would you be happy to answer some questions? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and then we can go back to my ones. Um, mm -hmm. How would the more rural areas be? How can the rural areas be better in regards to public transport? Being in a city that relies on a rural community, a lot of people rely on private vehicles or mm -hmm. farm farm vehicles. Yes, absolutely. Well, for the rural areas, I think there is there is um, we need to distinguish different uh, different cases. So, well, first, I think that there is really a lot of scope for towns and villages to be a bit more um, dense. So. People can live closer to their shops and their amenities, uh, and so they don't, they don't necessarily have to rely on um, on cars. Um, bicycle is also possibly uh, has a lot of potential um, for certain uh, demographics. It's not as inclusive as walking, but definitely has uh, potential. And by bicycle, you can quite easily do three, five maybe even 10 kilometers with um, with an e-bike. So I think there's potential to think of these local connections of how you living close to a town or close to a village, uh, these connections between where people live and where people uh, go to school or shop and have um, really a master plan kind of thinking around those areas. Uh, and another aspect will be longer distance transport. So longer distance transport also in New Zealand is quite underdeveloped. Um, and there would be quite a, a potential if you live, say, um, in a town that is 20 minutes from a, a larger urban area, uh, a more efficient public transport would mean that um, high school kids maybe could go to another high school in the town or could go study in the other town, or you could comfortably live in a smaller town and work uh, in, a, in a bigger town. And this is the kind of connection that are uh, underdeveloped and now can be really quite punishing. And so I can I don't blame people for uh, using them by car. Um, and in the last when, case, when, you when you refer to longer distance transport, are you talking about like bullet trains or things like that? No, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm really not talking about technology and about means. I'm really talking about connecting places that are, say, um, 15, 20 kilometers apart. Okay. Uh, and I think that's also, but that's a very interesting question because in New Zealand I've seen quite a lot of um, jumping to solutions. And in terms of public transport, there, that can definitely be a thing. And everybody can, well, has seen a bullet train or has seen a uh, subway or <laughs> yeah. X or Y or Z. And then we can have the, like, oh, we want bullet train. I think uh, for me, this is uh, really the problem with this is that um, we should first look at what should public transport do. Should it be more? Com should it be faster? Yeah. And really have a job description for public transport, and then starting from the job description, we can look at. 10, 15, 20 possibilities, and we can look at how they stack up against the job description. And we, what we tend to do is take one candidate and be like, oh, well, this is, this is candidate C, we like him, 
not really sure about the job description, but we like the candidacy. So I think that's a bit of an issue. Yeah, amazing. Thank you for that. And another one, another one from the audience. I, I think this is really interesting. T tell me, do tell me if you're not across this, though. So we had a question from the audience around, can you give us your thoughts specifically about New Zealand or Auckland, if you prefer? Oh, well, it does talk about regional parks. What are your thoughts on the accessibility of regional or state parks? Now, now, just to give a bit of context, there was a reference to a regional park having an accessible walkway, but the, the hut or the accommodation that you can stay in, there was a debate about that, whether that needed to be accessible. So, so just wanted your th mm. thoughts on regional park uh, walkability mm. and accessibility. Yes, well, this is a bit out of out of my domain. My domain, uh, and I am a bit of a city rat, so I, I don't. This is a bit out of my scope, but sure. just, I, I would, I would say overall, uh, I really advocate for accessibility for everyone, and I think that um, I really like the idea of accessible by design, and I think that at the very least, we should not make things inaccessible by design. So, Amazing. This probably applies to Amazing. I want to ask, how much does the environment uh, inform the research that you do and the advice that you give? When you mean environment, um, do you mean... No, no, I mean like nature, the environment. You, hmm. you know, you, you... Yes, uh, my research road and then narrows down and so my um, my first my, my first question and my first framing of the, the my theoretical network uh, theoretical framework sorry was really why do people walk why what is it that motivates people to do if say you have your supermarket 300 meters or 500 meters away what motivates you to get there and what makes this a pleasant experience and there is a lot of research suggesting that we as humans, um, I think that this will be news for no one. The nature, having a sight of nature uh, is really positive for our well-being and it's also uh, contributing to um, the appeal. And it doesn't even need to be really in the nature. It can just be the views of um, <laughs> landscape or the views of, um, of, of um, natural environments. I think that it definitely contributes to the pleasantness of our environment, and we know that it is also it is also a very um, an element of urban design that takes a lot of boxes. It takes uh, the box of um, ecological connections for different species to connect from, say, waterways to uh, bushes. It also, in terms of uh, rainfall, we know that if uh, a city is completely asphalted. Um, in terms of rainfall, we'll have a lot of water coming out of the city and making storms as opposed to having vegetation that can absorb part of this water and just contribute to a system that is more um, that is more of a, of, a, of an ecosystem. So I'm, I'm definitely, <laughs> as much as I am a, a city rat, I, I definitely advocate for nature in the city for our well-being and health. That's amazing. Now, now, 
my my next question um i'm aware you you sent me an email saying that you're you're currently getting ready to gather some data around the lockdown and and mm -hmm. people, people's was it people's mobility during, during no. the lockdown or can, can you help no, me understand Yes, so actually I have two projects, so I just added myself to So first, I interviewed 56 Aucklanders before the lockdown. I interviewed uh, people of all ages and uh, um, the, uh, people who are disabled and non-disabled around their perceptions of their neighborhoods and walking and really what makes walking appealing and what uh, uh, might be aspects of their struggle with. And so now with the lockdown, um, I am uh, aiming at... Um, Sending, uh, asking them if they would answer a, a survey around how they perceive their neighborhoods now with the lockdown. And the idea, I would, so I'm really, I'm not really interested in the behavior because I know that behaviors have changed, but behaviors have changed uh, because of a lot of different parameters. One of which being that we need to stay at home, right? <laughs> and maybe another being that if we are locked at home, we will feel really compelled to go out because maybe. It's, it's a bit of the freedom that we have. So um, I'm not going to in investigate this directly because it would be quite hard to uh, gather some insights. But what interests me really is how people's perceptions of their streets and neighborhoods have changed now that the traffic has drastically reduced and now that also we have more yeah. people walking and cycling in the streets. Also, arguably, in some neighborhoods, we have more of the presence of police. So it's a lot of these tuning parameters of our streets suddenly have been changed. And this is something, you know, when you experiment for in, in terms of medical research, say, you experiment on a new drug and you will try uh, more or uh, higher or, or lower dosages and you will try people with drug and without drug mm -hmm. and you see the difference. In terms of transport, we almost never have the occasion to do this because we study the system as it is and Are you saying the lockdown presents a unique opportunity for researchers as a control test? Yes, I, I, I see it like this. I, I think uh, as <laughs> it, a lockdown has a lot of, of, of course, implications. But one of the implications is that suddenly our streets function differently. And I was really interested in seeing how people perceive them. And so this is my one, yeah. one idea is to go back to my participants. And another uh, project is that I'm working on with a group of international researchers, we are looking at actually looking at what people tweet about their neighborhoods uh, during the lockdown and see what uh, maybe ideas associations come and what people tweet about, um, if it's positive, negative, what aspects they notice. So this is something that is really in draft and that is being worked on now. Uh, but, um, I think there is a lot of interest around this, yes. Are you, are you telling me that as part of your research you get to spend all day on Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, actually, I'll tell you, it's actually worse. What I do is I spend all day uh, writing code and then my computer will go okay. to, uh, to Twitter. But there will definitely be a lot of reading because I think as, we, as researchers we also need to immerse ourselves in the, in the data, but uh, um, we are looking at ways of having both human uh, interaction with the data and 
uh, a mass gathering and a mass gathering of, of data and a mass analysis. So we are looking at ways of combining both, having um, to have some insights because at the end of the day, it's really it all comes back to the, the the initial question of how do we build better cities and what can we learn about this uh, this situation where we have less traffic and more people in the streets. How can we learn in terms of how it contributes to our perceptions and our well-being and our um, the appeal that we see in our streets? That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank so, you. So, so we're, we're coming to the end of our time, but i I got to mm-hmm. ask, what are some barriers that you've faced in, in terms of uh, sharing your data with decision makers has there has there been any barriers to being able to do that? What, I I suppose the more direct question is what has the response been to your research? I think the response to my research is um, there is I think I see uh, quite some interest from uh, great. Great uh, decision makers and and, and managers. Um, but I think there is also a difficulty, and I don't, again, I don't underestimate the difficulty of facing systemic issues. And I think that some people, um, well, we are, first, as humans, it's easier to continue in a sort of um, way that we've been rolling in the last uh, years or, or, or decades. So there is some kind of, um, we know how it works. And it's from the, from the outside, we're saying, well, maybe we need to change the way we do business. I acknowledge that this is something quite that can be quite difficult, and and we really and it is and it's definitely a difficult question. Just where do we start? What do we do? So I see these two things. I see a lot of interest, and I also see a bit of a concern and concern and um, um, doubt around. What do we if if we are to do things differently? Mm. How do we do them, and what do we do? So, so a bit of fear around innovation, like not being able to see the future. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, fear and um, and the way um, we also have institutionalized um, barriers around how we evaluate projects, and if we are evaluate projects, say in terms of. Um, Time-saving only, or the way the projects are um, assessed is actually has been developed around mainly around traffic. So we also have barriers around um, just making the case for projects that are that are not traffic, and we also have barriers around, um, for instance, for traffic. We know exactly uh, where people drive, where are the hotspots, where is red, where is the orange, where is green. For walking, we don't know. We don't know where are those areas where there is potential for walking, where but people don't walk. I would like to see a map like this, where it just gives us an insight of, oh, wait, this is a potential. And if we develop something here, we should take into account walking. It doesn't exist. So it relies on individuals who may or may not get out of their way to uh, gather this data. And it's really, and it's really hard. So it's, it, it, we do have some... Um, institutionalized or systemic mm. struggles of um, um, for making the case and uh, implementing change. 
So then, so too would be the issue around mobility impairment. I recall a conversation you and I had probably at the end of last year when I visited your office. You said there was virtually no data around people with disabilities and that you you were trying to contribute to gathering some of that. Yes, well, well, first, in general, it's really, I think, quite fascinating to think that Walking is, on the one hand, completely universal and relative to us all. And on the other hand, we're still, we're still not sure about why people choose to walk or choose not to walk. So there is really quite little data and little understanding. And in the literature uh, itself, we know that we don't know enough about dif- uh, people with disabilities. And uh, we know that people with disabilities will have higher barriers to access but we really don't know enough about what these barriers are and what they mean in terms of people maybe not accessing mm-hmm. their, their destinations just because too hard. And uh, the, the one piece of data that I mentioned when we spoke is that Auckland Transport gathers a lot of data about active modes, which is a precious source of information, and I've used it in my PhD. Um, but uh, so this um, uh, survey asks people about their perceptions of their environment and their uh, the trips that they do by all modes, but people with disabilities are not asked about the questions of their perceptions, and I thought that yeah, this was that, really that's a what, huge yeah. gap. Sorry, I cut you off there. Yeah, yeah, no, no. So it's a, it's, it is a huge gap because uh, the population for whom we need to to understand more. Um, so yes, I'm I'm I really hope that uh, this will be uh, gathered. But now, uh, at least uh, the Household Travel Survey has started asking people about the, uh, their uh, difficulties, and they uh, started using the, uh, an excerpt from the Washington Group short set um, questions mm-hmm. to ask people's uh, levels of, uh, and types of impairment. So this is a really good step in the right direction, and the census does the same, so that we can um, have a better understanding of how different groups of populations uh, might have... Um, specific struggles uh, and specific barriers to access. i got to ask, do, do you understand how transformative your research could be in the future? Are you prepared to receive a Nobel Prize? <laughs> no. <laughs> no absolutely not. <laughs> I think you know that for sure. I, I'm, I'm always amazed by uh, to hear the interest and I, I love the conversation we, we have, but... Uh, and I really, I just hope to, to do a bit. I hope, as a transport planner, I hope to bring back something to the practice, to the transport planning and urban design and public uh, health practices. So um, I, I just, th- that's that's my, my aim, to, to, to contribute something in terms of knowledge and understanding. And, well, my role is unlimited because then it's in the hands of those who, so we will see where, where I will be after this, in the research or in the, the practice, but I definitely will try to, contribute to some meaningful change um i i gotta say you know um we we had the links that you sent across and i and i definitely read those uh before our conversation this morning but i i struggled to go uh deep into it in terms of my questioning so would you mind if i shared the links to that article and your paper with my audience oh yes 
please, please do. And yes, I really saw it uh, just for the context. So it was my first, my first paper is in press. So I was very really happy about this. And this uh, link that I sent, I just made a sort of blog post kind of to break down and to just uh, introduce yeah. the, the research. So yes, I'm happy for you to, to share it. Absolutely. Awesome. And we've got a, we've got a question, uh, one more question here. Um, Ant wants to know, are you engaged with the Axis Alliance at this stage? No, I'm not. I'm following their works, and I think um, uh, I, I see my activity very aligned with uh, with uh, what they do. I'm not I'm not formally part of uh, the alliance, but I think it's really uh, I think both streams of work are very aligned, and I'm very um, uh, yes, I'm following closely what uh, what they are doing. So yes, absolutely. Awesome. Thank you. And Sorry, Hannah wants to ask a question. I actually just want to... Yes. Hi, tomorrow. Hi, <laughs> Hannah. Um, I just want to thank you because I think your work is... I think what Jade said. Um, Nobel Prize Nobel on Prize. the way. <laughs> Honestly, um, I've had so many struggles with um, council and with Auckland Transport. Just to explain with them that... Yes, I've got a disability and I like to walk. Um, and I recently mm. actually almost went flying um, down the street and and grazed, grazed myself because concrete wasn't even, so it wasn't safe mm -hmm. for me to walk. So I think your work is so important and I really appreciate it. And a lot of people have to learn from it. I think a lot of people Aww. listen to you. So it's great that you're following the Access Alliance, but I think you, a lot of people will listen to you. So thank you. Thank you so much. And I think, and, and it just made me think that uh, we didn't really mention road safety, but this is definitely such an, a crucial aspect. And we know that the numbers of death and serious injuries might be decreasing, but not for walking. And for walking, we are so far behind, if anything else, because we don't know where people walk. And so we are reacting to crashes and we are reacting to deaths. And if we have two people who died in a certain spot, we don't know if it's two out of two who tried to cross or two out of 20 million. And it, yeah. it would be different, right? If it's two out of two or two out of And we don't know. So I think this is so important. And this is just another... Um, Another justification for us getting more into understanding what people do, what people don't do, and being uh, really proactive about having zero deaths and zero pedestrian deaths, and we are really far away from that. Great. That is great. Um, I gotta ask. So, if my if my followers, uh, people in the chat, wanted to contribute to your work or support you in any way. Um, can you tell us how to do that? And obviously I'll include whatever information in the description in my video as well. We'd love to know how to support you going forward. Oh, that's amazing. Well, so they can, they can uh, contact me by, uh, via Twitter. And then um, I think for now my series of uh, interviews, so I'm uh, analyzing that I have. So, but, um, I'm very happy for people to get in touch and I will share my research uh, and I think it will be great. Uh, I would really like also to empower the community. So I would like to, uh, going forward, 
transmit my results so that people can um, sort of see they want to see their um, their uh, local authorities and um, share this data with them and um, if they want to advocate for uh, better streets and neighborhoods um, and better access. Awesome. Uh, just, just finally, obviously it's been mind-blowing uh, for me. I, I probably made a terrible podcast host during during this session because I just love listening to you. But but, 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 but I gotta say every every time we get to, together tomorrow, it's amazing. And, and just finally, you, you know, would you be interested in coming back on at some stage? I would be so it was such an honor to be here and I it's really a privilege and I and I I know how follow how how much of following you have and you've had um, amazing uh, guests so I'm very privileged and I would be more than happy and honored to come back so yes anytime that, that'd be great and um, last question that I'd like to ask people that I've been forgetting to do did you have fun this morning Yes, it was great. It was a great <laughs> chat, and I think it's great for me to get out of my <laughs> books and my computer. And I think it's great for any PhD student to just come back to what is it we are doing actually? What's the purpose? So yes, yeah. please ask those questions, and I'm very happy about it. All right, Thank you. all right, Tamara. It's been really great having you along this morning. A uh, lot of lot of praise for you in the chat. Um, we hope you enjoy your Easter weekend. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was yeah. great. And yes, I, I hope everybody enjoyed their Easter weekend in their bubbles. Awesome. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Bye for Thank now. You. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So I want to get this right so I don't blow people's ears out. There we are. How's that?